Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at NineLenses.com. All right, we're back for our next episode of The Revenue Hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, and I have the distinct pleasure of having Cole Mayer on the podcast. Cole, welcome to The Revenue Hustle. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here and have a good conversation with you today. Absolutely. So, Cole, you are the regional sales director at Navisite. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I've been uh, regional sales director for Navisite here on the West. Uh, I've been in the enterprise IT space, specifically focused around professional services and managed services for about the last nine or 10 years now. Um, sit, sit in San Diego, California. And, uh, yeah, excited to kind of keep these things going. Awesome. Well, I know we've had a couple of conversations thus far, and I'm excited uh, just the perspective you have and and um, spe- specifically around services, right? Because I think a lot of times services um, are overlooked in terms of like pairing it with software and things of that nature, but uh, we know how important they are. So let's just go ahead. Give us your first revenue rule. Sure. Okay. So yeah, my first number one revenue rule uh, would be quality services from a professional service perspective, that, that engagement breeds authentic relationships. So quality service engagements breeds authentic relationships. Okay, so tell me more about that. So why, you know, how, how do services like that breed their, their authentic relationship? Sure, um, so kind of an interesting example, we I started about a year and a half year ago at uh, Navisite, um, and we at my first sales kickoff, kind of small background, but we've, we've purchased a few different companies within our company. Um, and there's a lot of software sellers, right? That background, they come from that context. And so I was kind of the uh, the minority, so to speak, in terms of having been more focused on professional services and managed services. Um, so at the end of the night, we were having a conversation, right? And somebody kind of shared their feel, fear of selling professional services, right? Not not fully understanding where the value is, kind of not, you know, just, just a different language for them that they didn't feel comfortable or confident enough to speak to. Um, and so I kind of had fun, fun with the, uh, the paradigm shift there because from my perspective, right, I'm used to being around a lot of customers who have been sold, you know, the art of the possible based on whatever software we might be, you know, discussing, whatever platform, et cetera. Right. Um, and what you come to find really is that the actual implementation, the architecture, the building, the nuts and bolts of all the things that kind of fall underneath that very open-ended spectrum of the art of the possible uh, really does lie in professional services. And so what I've really learned is that you can really earn, so to speak, your champion at a customer um, by saying, getting into the nitty gritty with them, identifying like why they got onto this platform to begin with and what their goals are. And professional services is really a way to create a map, a roadmap for that customer to go in there and actually quantifiably execute on these goals, right? The software is the, the capability. Um, but the actual design architecture and implementation right. of this software customized is really what's going to get that outcome that they originally made that investment for. Um, so I found through making sure that my you know, intent and um, focus on making sure that I understand what the customer is looking to get out of it has really, really been able to breed um, extreme depth of trust with my customers, right? Again, being able to kind of quantifiably look back 
and say, hey, this is what we did. These are the outcomes we got. Just good old fashioned X, Y, X plus Y equals Z, right? Right. And, and I think you're talking about just the level of detail, right? Because in professional services, you have milestones, you have project plans, you have um, scope of work, scope of work, right? What's in, yeah. what's out, right? So there's a level of detail, not just like licenses and modules, right? Like in, in, in software. Um, but I want to go back to what you were saying about your colleagues. There are a couple of those colleagues you had uh, conversations with. Like, what is it about professional services that they found to be scary or um, you know, just not comfortable selling. Sure. I think, you know, when you, you hear about the big IPOs of the world and the, you know, the game breaking tech, disruptive technologies, et cetera. Um, a lot of that's going to come from software platforms, et cetera. And really what's overlooked is, you know, the, the actual professional services that got those results. Um, and so in terms of fear, I think for them, it's really just kind of always seemed as if, you know, hey, hey, we're getting somebody to add another hundred to two hundred thousand dollars on this this deal, right? That right. I've already worked on budget with. This wasn't involved, so to speak, etc. Um, and so there's that fear of really kind of, you know, it's a lack of un, un, uh, uneducation, right? Fear right. I've always been taught as an acronym: um, false evidence appearing real, right? And so it's just a lack of understanding of, of what that really is going to bring to the table. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really what it comes down to. Is a lot of software sellers have been you know, drinking the 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 Kool-Aid, so to speak, their whole career is on the fact that can do anything and everything, um, but kind of failing to take of what the internal resources per each individual customer looks like, which then kind of uh, limits their capabilities of getting to what those outcomes could be. Right. And and I, I mean, I just think like as you co-sell, right, because I think it sounds like just... Um, you know, obviously you have to get the customer wanting to have the platform capability. And then the next level of detail down is, okay, how do we implement it? What's exactly, you know, like you said, defining the scope of work and, and what's the configuration and all those sorts of things. Like when do you typically come into a sales opportunity with a, you know, if, if there's, it's a net new client or a net new install of, of technology, when do you appear on the scene? Um, so, When's the best time to appear and when I appear on average are two totally different questions. Okay, great. Uh, I would say without a doubt, the best time is through a strong partner, whether it be through one of the major cloud platforms, ERP systems, um, et cetera, to be able to be with one of those software sellers and have like a unified stance as to where we're going, right? So before the customer even gets involved, having an understanding based off all the time that whether it be Azure, AWS, GCP, the rep has had discussions with them, sharing that information so that we can kind of, one, save time, and then two, come into this technical deep dive discussion prior to all these platforms being purchased, licenses being sold, um, to really set expectations correctly. Um, now, the reality is probably more so, uh, hey, you know, we've got an EDP with this customer, they've got to spend X amount on our cloud platform by the end of this year, Here's the things they're struggling with. You know, can you fix it? Can you can you provide results, right? And that's typically where we do come in. And so there's a balance of the need to retrofit, right? A lot of cloud cost optimization kind of comes into play. We get an idea for their environment. Um, and, you know, those variables never end in terms of legacy systems, so on and so forth. So, so really probably the answer to that question is when things start to not tick like they're supposed to is when we kind of come in and try and, you know, make a, a better situation, right? Lemon, lemonade out of lemons. 
Yeah, and I guess that sets up for an interesting, um, you know, relationship with the customer, right? Just because they're the ones that have made the investment in the in the systems and the technology, and it's not performing, and so you know, you're you're asked to do some amount of hero work, right? Um, in that scenario, so how do you translate that into winning the customer over? So I think again, it's it's really got to focus on not playing the blame game, right? Not, not having any fingers going any way, but more so just a, a reevaluation of both of my and the customer's education, right? So like, where did we think we wanted to be understood? Where are we actually now? Let's bring us back to the reality of where we are present day and where we want to go. Um, and then again, holding true to those expectation settings and just being authentic with the customer on what that roadmap's going to look like to get to that place. Um, and so again, like you kind of mentioned, right? That, that hero setting, of, of just coming in and say, hey, look, these things are possible. It's not going to be a, a walk in the park. I didn't necessarily tell you that it would be, right? So don't kill the messenger. Um, but in terms of finding a path to a solution, kind of making sure that customers know that that definitely exists. You're not the first person who's ever purchased something and not had the adequate resources to go and execute on it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah, no, and and, and I guess like, did you do you think the customer didn't, did they think they had the, the resources to begin with? Uh, because obviously any you know, ERP sort of system or big technology system, it doesn't implement itself, right? You've got change management, you've got training, obviously, but then you've got the configuration, right? So I think nowadays, you know, I've heard the number, you know, it should, any deal should be 50% licenses and it could be even up to 50% of services, right? Like, so there's like an expectation now in the buying community to be like, I need, I need you guys to help me implement this stuff. So like, is that is that not what you see sometimes? Like it's just not um, either from the customer or maybe they just think, I'll you know I, I don't need that much or I've got it myself and it's more of a, a budget. Uh, I think that there's a bit of you know to be honest, I think there's probably a bit of ego involved, right? A lot of these platforms that we're talking about, people have you know taken ownership of these platforms in, inside of their organizations for. 15 20 plus years um so they've had this sales cycle conversation they understand that this guy and the next guy all have the new bells and whistles etc um, but i think that when we really start talking about a you know bigger consultative approach that long-term vision roadmap is when it really starts to kind of break down a little bit at the ego to see how we can work as a team to really really move forward in a bigger picture light um, i think another challenge there too is that executives of a company have employees that have been managing these platforms mm -hmm. for 50 to 20 years. So they see the new bells and whistles and they want one outcome. And then there's a whole different paradigm of reality for the people that are actually on the field on the day-to-day -day basis. Right. Yeah. So there's some, there's some silos to be broken down there in terms of making sure that like everyone understands that everyone's goals here, although sound different are aligned and like moving forward to, you know, a more scalable, efficient environment. Yeah, and since you guys are a professional services firm, right, as well as a reseller, right, if I if I you know have that right, so mm -hmm. you're you're oftentimes coming in and providing services to a, a platform or or a company that somebody else sold the software, right? So it doesn't have to be like you're, we're not necessarily talking about Navisite sales people that have sold software. You guys aren't selling your own software, you're selling other people's ERPs, right? So on these, you know, cloud um, platforms, but you're also servicing, right? Other people's Correct. implementations. Correct. And tying into kind of like the rule number one as a whole, right? I would say probably seven out of 10 times, 
we get a license sale after we've been brought in to fix something, right? So like we earn that trust, we earn that relationship and we execute on our SOW, right? Which is a fine print detail of what we're gonna leave your environment looking like. Um, and I think that it's it's after that where the reps of X, Y, and Z companies kind of come back and say like, hey, the customer's really happy. I haven't had a healthy pulse on this account for X amount of months. Um, I think it would be wise for you guys to kind of take over their license because they have so much trust with you guys. Uh, and then, you know what, that really enables those mm. reps as well to go focus on different things um, because it's not just me as a salesperson who runs the West. It's my team of engineers who have been in the space and focusing on these niches for, like I said, 15 to 20 plus years with dozens of, you know, hundreds of different use case examples where um, they can kind of make those problems that seem so big to a customer in their own environment seem a little smaller and realizing that a lot of people have gone through this. Yeah. And, and I think it'd be interesting to the, um, you know, to other executives, like what level of detail are you operating at in your sales process to get this SOW written? Because I think, you know, I've, I've, I've written, you know, contracts and and uh software sales for our own at nine lenses you know it's license counts it's it's modules uh there is some implementation details but i i suspect given the services deals i've seen it's just a completely you know different level of detail meaning much more detail so i'm kind of curious like what level of detail are you interacting with your customers about to get that sale for services so obviously it all depends, right? Because we wouldn't yeah. be in IT if I couldn't say that, that sentence at least a hundred times in this conversation. Um, but like if I were to use an example of ERP systems, right? Everyone's going to have an ERP. It's going to be very, very, very unique to each and individual customer. So I live in San Diego. We've got a lot of life sciences and biotech companies here. Um, and so when I have a conversation with them, you know, versus a shipping company, right? Managing trucks, understanding where those trucks leave, when they drop off, who receives those packages, timelines, et cetera. It's a lot different when we're talking to, you know, a company that's trying to solve cancer by breaking down blood cells at a genomic, genomic level, right? So we're talking about measuring milliliters per capsule, how much of those milliliters are left in the leftover volume, where is that being stored? Um, so, you know, through that process, we really, really get to know your business. And like I said, earn that champion relationship um, because we're taking the time and effort to not only share what we've learned in the space, but also to learn what your day-to-day looks like. So that feeling of, you know, I just hired a new employee essentially. And that employee, you know, uh, duels as a mentor to me on my day-to-day challenges. And I think that's really where you begin to start seeing that kind of uh, vulnerability open up from the customer, right? We're taking that two and a half hours to meet every one of their engineers on a personal level and figure out what their micro problem is that's all kind of co- contributing to the overall goal. Right. And then I suspect that, like you said, there's reward, sales reward for you for for building that authentic relationship through that level of detail and, and through that services. So like, how do you see that come back, I guess? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, the full circle aspects of it, Again, back to the late night sales kickoff call with my software people. Um, or, yeah, sales kickoff meeting that we had. Explaining to them that like once you show and prove yourself to be able to bring results to the table, and then not only that, but take that next step to help your customer, your champion, build out their presentation to their executives, right? right. Here's, here's what we wanted to do. Here's what we did. Um, here's where we are now. It's not, hey, can I get a meeting to talk about your roadmap? 
it's now much more so the customer has become dependent on your results, right? Mm -hmm. And they're kind of leveraging my results and my team's results to brag about their own agenda to their team and what they've accomplished. And so it's, it's much more so that I begin to have customers texting me for quick questions because they know that they can ask me and I can go be a resource for them to provide that value to them immediately. So it really just breaks down the whole wall of like the professional, you know, don't say too much, don't ask too much up front. like just providing genuine value up front really makes customers dependent on you in a great way, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can continue to you know meet that standard and properly set expectations as such, like you're gonna look for a much longer term relationship. Right. And I've seen that now, you know, from the Qualcomm's of the world and those directors moving to the Intel's of the world and being in entirely different buying centers and kind of reaching out to me blindly saying like, hey, here's my problem, help me out if you need to. Right. Let's set up a call, right? Right, right, right. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, the devil's in the details, right? And and it does take a lot of work. I was just having this conversation with my team last week. And, and one example is just the level of detail that we need to manage, right? And with our customers, like you just can't, you, you've got to get to the lowest level of detail, right? Because I think that's where the real work is. And we can't shy away from getting getting that level of detail, because if we understand our customers' business as, as, as best, you know, as, as well as they do, or potentially in better in some places, right. um, you know, because obviously the buyers aren't always the ones, you know, cranking out the work three, four, you know, rungs down the ladder. And the fact that we as, you know, the people that own the relationship can navigate up and down that ladder freely uh, allows us to, um, you know, see things and share things that maybe otherwise don't freely move up and down the ladder. Without a doubt. And like one of the things that kind of triggered when you said that in terms of the devils in the detail is like, you know, in a perfect world, every buyer would want to know every devilish detail. But unfortunately, the reality is, is they want to focus on what's going good, you know, highlight that stuff and get to the, the trouble to some details when they have time. Um, and so when you can come in and really do that work, right, there's no other way to put it, but just like doing the work up front, learning that business, understanding where the real struggles are, like you said, turning around and saying like, hey, you know, there's these like 15 cloud instances that your DevOps team like doesn't tag. No one knows where these huge pop-ups of data and computer popping up from if they're relevant if they're necessary if it's a new employee etc um, and so going in there and like you said finding kind of weak points that the customer might not have even known he had and like hey this wasn't in the sow but we just saved you x amount of dollars a right, month right right and this is our recommendation moving forward on how to you know not have to find this problem happening again all right now that's awesome no i think that's a great example and i think sometimes um like you said services are oftentimes overlooked in terms of the overall success outcomes that our clients have um, because obviously the technology is going to do what it's configured to do and um, it takes science it takes some art to understand the customer's needs and then translate you know the services and the people and the processes to kind of align all of that around that so i think that's um it's a, it's a great reminder right and then the, the outcome and the benefits of of um of that so all right, Cole. So let's transition into your second revenue rule. Why don't you uh, give it to us? Cool. Uh, so second revenue rule, mindset and attitude are the building blocks of success in sales. Tell me more. Um, so I think, you know, sales is tough, 
right? So when when it's it's everyone knows that it's not the easiest thing in the world. It's only a, a small few. And so I think that a big piece of being a good salesperson is being able to maintain, you know, the attitude of always being uh, passionate about learning, right? Like always being able to look at your failures as an opportunity to learn. Uh, because those failures are going to be something that you can either be completely discouraged by and let that kind of energy feed into your relationship with your customers, a lack of confidence, a lack of dependency, all of the above, um, or really just taking ownership, right? When I don't understand something, if I don't know the answer to something, like always being authentic about that, sharing that that's something I'm going to have to circle back with. Um, you know, my little my little brother, he's a, he's a BDR in another company, and he's on his like second year uh, getting involved, and he's going through this Thing where he's like my activity's there and this other girl doesn't have activity but she's landed these three big deals like i don't know what i'm gonna do right and it's that that, that moment of recognizing that feeling and saying i'm in the right place because this is the, like if i wasn't feeling frustrated right then i wouldn't be doing enough to have the right to even feel like i deserve more um and it's just accepting that it's the numbers game right so i think following into that really identifying what your intention is when working with the customer um, whether you're in the building a relationship phase, whether it's a, hey, you've got a shot to make an impression on this one use case and focusing in on that and nothing else, knowing that if you can, you know, give the customer what they want instead of worrying about your own agenda long-term, that longer-term vision will come through because everybody wants to pitch their long-term vision to a customer. Not everybody wants to go to the library for 10 hours and learn the definitions of all of the customer's environments so you can be a real tool in their toolbox, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, sales is hard. I mean, it looks easy for for those that are on the outside. Um, and failure is a big part. I mean, if you think about like, I'm a big sports guy. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, baseball, you know, hitting, uh, you know, getting a hit one or, you know, three out of 10 times is, you know, best in class, right? right. So you fail seven times uh, out of 10. So 70% failure rate is, you know, not acceptable in most professions. Right. right. But, um, you know, like in baseball, I think here it's, it, you have to get at bats and you are going to fail. Right. And I think that's, um, we want things to come easily to us, but I think you're right. Like the mindset and the, and the attitude, if it's not there, um, you can really get inside your own head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from, you know, one of the things that's like helped me really define and concrete my mental attitude, so to speak, is being a, you know, amateur salesperson in the beginning, having the cold calling, door knocking experiences, because you come to learn, right? Like, even if your product, even if your service or your solution, it can work, it should work, all customers should understand this, right? Like we've proven it. So-and-so at whatever magazine has given us a, a, a nomination for a great solution practice, whatever, right? Yeah, right there's going to be so many variables internally at that customer that might change the impact of what you could or you could not do. And that's where you have to really disassociate and build confidence in what you have to offer. And it's again, knowing that what your intentions are with the customer, right? Like if it's not a time for them, don't push it, right? Like they might not be ready to make a massive migration to utilize all the things that they've been telling you for months they need to utilize. So it's really kind of pulling back and learning how to communicate that. Like, Hey, this is what I'm hearing you want to do. This is the roadmap I've put in front of us. Seems like we have some gaps here. Maybe we should kind of realign, refocus, and understand what our next steps should be that work for both of us. Um, instead of, you know, hey, I'm doing everything right, but I'm just not getting results. You know, they just don't understand the value I'm trying to explain, et cetera. When you get into that, 
that whiny energy, right? That leaks through unconsciously to all the people that you're going to right. you're going to be talking to. Yeah, and it, it and I think it also puts more pressure on ourselves to to win the deals that we think need to be won. And so when mm-hmm. when that doesn't happen, right? For any number of reasons like you said, it it it's like you know, we only may be working two good opportunities, right? And all of a sudden one goes away, uh and now we're really, you know, in 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 a in a harder space on ourselves and, and and so on. So like we tend to sink our teeth into those one or two deals that um we put all our eggs in those baskets because that's the only baskets we have. Right. right. But I think, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of this just on LinkedIn, you know, um, threads and whatnot, just like disassociating yourself with the outcome, which is really hard to do early on because you don't have a whole lot to, you know, success to fall back on and be like, okay, well that they're just not ready and there's nothing I can do to make mm-hmm. them ready. So I'm not going to try to push them to be ready. Right. But right. early on we do all those other we try to control things, right? Because we're, we're, we're frantic about getting one of these two deals to close, right? As an example. Without a doubt. I got a, one of my first ever sales roles, um, you know, older guy, been in this space for a long time. He's like in his forties. I was probably 19 years old, right? Or not 19, excuse me, like 22, 21, 22. Um, I got my first deal. I was ecstatic walking around with a big chest around the office, you know, bragging at the water cooler vibe. <laughs> And one of the things that he, he said to me that has stuck with me ever since is you got to manage the highs just as much as you manage the lows, right? Like this emotional commitment and attachment to the feeling you're feeling right now, if that overbears your ability to handle the lows, then you'll never get to another high. And so it's just understanding, right? Mm. Nothing in this is consistent or present. And so you got to be grateful for what it is and kind of focus on getting back to work, pretending like almost it didn't occur. Right. Right. And I think that's where you, you, if you think about, we're not really selling, right? Like we're not pushing a product or, or, or service. I mean, we are in the end, but you know, if we can't help them with our product or service, it does not matter. You know, we can't spend another you know minute with them if we can't ultimately help them. Right. And, and so when you start to really hunt for the, can we help this customer with their, you know, with their problems and we're honest with ourselves? yes, they're a good customer or no. Because again, early on, we may be chasing anything that smells like a deal, even though they may not be our ideal customer profile or you know all those different things, just because sure. that's the only thing we're working on. But if, if, we, can, um, if we can manage that better, it's, it's, it's better for us all, right? I mean, for the sure. customer and for us, but it's, it's hard in those early years because you don't have a whole lot to fall back to in terms of success or... or you Without know. a doubt. I was going to say it from like an immature, you know, new salesperson's perspective as well. It's like a fish on a hook, right? Like they, they feel the lug time or the, t- excuse me, the, the line tug um, gets that adrenaline in your body. You're reeling it in and you're reeling it in too fast because you're so excited and you just feel a release and all your tension dissipates. And I feel like from a mature sales perspective, understanding that your time is valuable so when you feel that tightness on the line, instead of pulling it till it snaps, identifying with the customer that it might not be the best time to try and force this thing through will also win you an abundance yes. of respect and trust with that customer to the point where it's like, hey, you know, this guy did right by me. He didn't force me into a conversation that I like maybe would have gone down that path had he done so. And so, you know, now I want to refer him to a friend over at so-and-so's corporation because i know they're going through a problem and they could use an honest consult consultative approach right right yeah and if people if our customers or buyers 
think that we're willing and able to walk away because it's not a good fit. You're right. It instantly buys credibility um, because they, they're, they're not going to be sold a bill of goods or pushed into something. Right. Uh, and I right. think that's, that's, um, and that does come with maturity and, and knowing that, okay, I can't ultimately control the outcome of all these deals. Right. I mean, um, I think over time I've gotten much more, um, accepting to the fact on timeline, right? Like deals are, you know, yes, can we do things to make our sales cycle shorter? Yes, we can be more efficient. We can come more prepared. Um, but the customer's internal buying process is not going to change based on my desire to get this closed this quarter. Right. Right. Now, maybe they can throw us a bone at the very end because they can, you know, they can move it up a week, but that doesn't mean that that's going to uh, skip steps. Um, in their decision-making chain. And like, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. So, um, you know, and, and so how have you seen your performance change? Just has you, as you've matured and kind of gotten the mindset um, kind of in a better place? Sure. Um, I would say, <clears throat> I would say it's really one kind of giving me like a respect for myself, right? It's really built up what I know that I can do and provide to people who give the time necessary to, you know, work together and collaborate. Um, from a mindset thing too, I would say that it's forced me to double down on my education because like I said earlier, right? Fear is false evidence appearing real. So like, I don't feel confident enough to present this. I don't feel confident enough to speak to that. When you really do adopt this whole abundance mindset, right? Um, you, you're looking out for the better of the customer, right? And so being able to kind of say early on that this isn't a fit or whatever you said, and this is why, um, is again, just kind of providing that value, establishing that you're going to be looking, like I've had a lot of tough conversations this year, right? Like CFO signs something for a complete redo. Little does the CF, CFO know there's only one person in their company that knows this entire system and they've been managing it for 15 years and they don't want to tell us how it all works, right? And so there's those balances and just being able to like learn and understand, you know, how people tick is also going to be a big one, right? And that's, that all is going to come to your mindset too. If you're working from a place of lack and, you know, demand versus abundance, like you're going to be scared of those situations, panic and not be able to like really get through them and build rapport with the people necessary. No, that's great. And I think that's, um, you know, because I, I mean, we, we see more about mental health, you know, and, and just the normal societal conversation, you know, in all walks of life, sports and, and um, you know, with the pandemic and everything else. And I think sales is one of those unique jobs where you do have real high highs and low lows. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think what you're really kind of communicating is just this balance that you're able to bring, um, this attitude and um, mindset that just can bring balance Right. Just like you said, you can't, you have to manage the highs and the lows, but you do that through the right mindset. Yep. Yep. Without a doubt. Okay. And again, it's like, you know, Tony Robbins has some example about how, like, uh, as you're a kid, you walk into uh, to the dinner table from the kitchen. Your mom's been yelling at you to hurry up and get out of your room. You walk in, you say, Does anybody need anything before I sit down? Everybody says no. You sit down, you go to eat. Your mom goes, Hey, can you get the, the salt and pepper for me? You're like, I just asked this question, blah, blah, blah. So you get up, you walk into the kitchen kind of begrudgingly, you open the cupboard and you, you can't find it. Hey, you know, salt and pepper's not here, mom. You're going back and forth. She, it's there, it's where it always is. And while you're arguing with her, she comes around, reaches around the corner and right in front of your face, moves something in front of you and grabs that pepper, right? 
and what that is is your brain doesn't ever want to be a liar right so like if you tell your something yourself is true i'm not good enough this customer will never talk to me i don't have the value that i think i do mm-hmm. you're going to unconsciously make sure to find a way for that to be true um, versus focusing on, hey, I'm in a problem right now. I've got some road roadblocks, but if I can focus on how to go and find those, you're going to be so much more open to identifying the different roadmaps to, you know, creating a better environment for yourself and for your customer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, no, thank you for sharing that. I think that's always a good um, perspective to have um, in, in this line. And, and again, at every level of of growth, you know, whether you're marketing or in sales, you know, we're measured by our results, right? I think more so than in any other. Well, I, I guess in in most business, you know, B two B jobs, we're measured in ways that most aren't. Um, and, and so that that just plays with our, our minds. So thank you for sharing that. So tell us, Cole, how did you get into sales? I guess you could say I was born into sales. Um, <laughs> my mom was, a, I come from like a real estate family. So got my real estate license at a very young age or when I turned 18. Um, so did that. And then I jumped into a network marketing opportunity in college, uh, multi-level marketing, uh, that, that kind of business diagram. Found some success, introduced like 19 kids to an opportunity of the eight people that stuck on. We built the business to about like 15 to 20,000 people globally. And so that was kind of my first, you know, okay, hoorah, I can get behind this, listen to like become a storyteller, educate people, et cetera. Um, And then kind of post-college, I realized that, you know, there's a lot of dependency um, on the next person you talk to for your ability to grow. And so I really kind of wanted to just take the wheel into my own hands, so to speak, um, and build my skills so I could see a direct representation of that um, in my output. And so I started uh, right out of college, went to, at the time was level three, um, fiber optics, telecom space, moved out to Boulder, did kind of like a three to four month intensive training program, um, and then got thrown back into the market there for about two and a half years. And then up until this last year, for you know the majority of my career, I've, I've been in the professional services and managed services space for Splunk specifically. Um, so building use cases and every single vertical, obviously a massive emphasis on security, a um, lot of ITSI automation. Um, so yeah, it's been able to you know give me a very well-rounded understanding of not only all the verticals, um, but all the different kinds of solutions out there that no matter what vertical you're in, you're, you're going to be touching one way or another. So right. it's been been a really good ride for me so far. Awesome. So where can we follow you online? Uh, LinkedIn is kind of probably going to be one of my main spots. Cole, Cole Mayer, C-O-L-E-M-A-Y-E-R. I'm hoping to get more active on there. More than welcome to follow my personal life as well. Cole Mayer for Prez is my uh, Instagram. And uh, same thing for Instagram's new version of Twitter, Threads. <laughs> wow, early adopter there. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on to the Revenue Hustle. It was a great conversation and uh, looking forward to uh, keeping in touch with you. Uh, maybe we'll have you back again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for the time. And it was great to uh, be joining me on here. Hope that brought some value to some of your followers. Absolutely. Thanks again. All right. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to the Revenue Hustle. This episode has been brought to you by Nine Lenses. Close more deals with interactive assessments. Check them out at ninelenses.com. See you next time.